Thank you for having me, ladies. How many of you were here? Is it two Christmases ago that I was here? Two, two, 2014, I saw many of you. Carmen, I didn't remember, but <laughs> I sat across from her. Um, I am grateful to be back, and I'm really excited to talk about this subject, the potter and the clay. I wrote this retreat years ago, and I have been able to teach it in a lot of different settings to a lot of different people. And I tell you, it's always new for me. Now, I took a nap this afternoon. How many of you did? So you need to stand up for just a minute. You've been sitting for a little while. I don't want you to fall asleep. Kind of. St- That's true. I, I, was, I got up at 3 this morning so I could get here. That's why I took a nap. Okay, just stretch, and then when you're ready, have a seat. I'm not going to keep you too long tonight. You'll notice I, I, I had Cindy um, print off this. You've, you've got two things. Here's your, your time schedule, and then this is what I had printed off. It's so that you can take notes. Now, Some of you love to fill in the blanks and stay with the notes so that you know you're you're following along. Others will not even want to open this. Um, Usually when I speak, I have people come up to me after each session and ask me, what was supposed to go in that line? You never covered it. (laughs) So don't get too excited if I don't cover it, but I will share with you what's supposed to go in that line. Also, I have it split up into four different sessions. We may not get through this whole session tonight because when I see you yawning, I'll start uh, talking very quickly and um, we'll close when I feel like the Holy Spirit says enough is enough, Laura. I I am actually to the age where I can almost hear him say that frequently. So I want to start out reading Jeremiah 18. This was one of my favorite stories when I was young. I loved, um, even before, let's see, I went up to the altar and was saved when I was 10 years old. It took me till 10 because I I didn't want people to know I wasn't already saved. And I was afraid to go up to the altar in front of people. And um, I think I was actually shy back then. Um, but before I did that, before I got up enough courage, because I believed, even my dad was a pastor and he had never said this, but I believed that to get saved, you had to be at an altar in a church for some reason. I thought that. And so even before that happened, I would write sermons in my bedroom because I so wanted to be like my dad and, um, and I loved God's word. So I would write sermons. One of them was the potter and the clay, fortunately. Lee, you will not have to listen to that sermon. (laughs) But I loved stories, and I love to use my imagination. I still do. That's one of my favorite things, is to read God's word and then pretend that I'm there in that scene, um, actively participating. And the only rule in that, it's, it's a wonderful thing to use your holy imagination. There's one rule. You don't ever get to be God or Jesus when you use your imagination. You can be anybody else in the story if you want to. And just try to sense what's going on in that story. So here's Jeremiah 18. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Jeremiah receives a word from the Lord. And God tells him to go down to the potter's house. 
and I'll give you instructions about what to do there. And this is the story. So I went down to the potter's house. He was working on the potter's wheel, but the piece he was making was flawed while still in his hands. So the potter started on another, as seemed best to him. And then it goes on, and, and he says in verse 6, he's talking to the house of Israel, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hands, O house of Israel. God also says in verse 7, at any time, I may announce that I will dig you up, pull down, and destroy your nation or your kingdom. And it goes on more and more about the potter and the clay. Um, he says, he's, God is angry with the people. And so he says, so each one of you will turn from your evil ways, reform your ways and your actions. But they said to God, what's the use? We'll follow our own plans and act according to our own willful evil hearts. So, even as a child, I loved the picture of us being clay in God's hands. And what God, as a child, I would imagine what God would make me into. What would I become when I grew up? What would God use me as when he finally formed me and created all the wonderful things he was going to do for me? And then I... Um, went to middle school, and I went to high school, and I went to college, and I began to wonder what exactly could God make out of me. I, I began to understand what sin was and willful living and, and living my own way and not God's way. And, and in my mind, I saw myself as that clay that just kept getting squashed and starting over and squashed and starting over. So this weekend, I want you to see yourself not as the squashed clay, but as a beloved piece of clay that God is forming and molding and shaping. And if you stay with me, by the end of this weekend, by tomorrow afternoon, we will have done the entire progression of what happens with clay so that it can be formed into a, a useful, beautiful piece of art or something that can be used in your kitchen. How many of you have worked on a potter's wheel? Anybody? Oh, this is good. Okay, so you can keep me straight because what happens when I write a retreat? I have about 20 different retreats, and what I do is I start obsessing on one certain section of Scripture or one picture of what God... Um, is trying to portray to us. And so I decided many years ago that I would write this retreat on the potter and the clay, but I knew nothing. I had never thrown on a wheel. I'm not very good with Play-Doh. In fact, my artistic abilities are nil. I have no artistic abilities whatsoever. So for me, what I had to do was go to the library. And first, I went into God's Word and I found every single scripture that talks about we as clay and God as the potter. And I read through them and read through them and wrote them down and, and tried to use my imagination. Then I went to the library and took out every book on pottery that I could find. I found potters and I went to where they worked and I sat and I watched them and I even tried my hand um, a little bit. Years later, uh, my husband, as a birthday gift, gave me some hours uh, in a pottery uh, place. And so I had some pictures. I'll show you some of them later 
of me actually working in pottery, and it's much harder than it looks, actually. And if you're not really um, artistically bent, you probably won't be good at it either. I don't want to disappoint you. But, so let me give you some of the scriptures about the potter and, and God being our potter. For instance, in Genesis 2-7 it says that the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. And that's where clay is formed, in the, in the very depths of the earth. And so we know, because of Genesis 2-7, that we are made out of clay, out of dirt. And uh, Genesis 3-19 goes on to say, For you are dust, and to dust you will return. Many of you have heard that at a funeral. That we literally, the, the bodily makeup of us has a lot to do with water and some of the same uh, particles that are in clay and dirt. Job 10.9. Job has had all of these horrific things happen to him. And he says, remember God, you molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? And it goes on, and I've listed some in your booklet. Some of those scripture verses that I'll let you look up. Isaiah 45, 9, um, apparently the people of Israel were quarreling with God and saying he wasn't dealing well with them, and he didn't know what he was doing. And so Isaiah says, Woe to him who quarrels with his maker, to him who is but a potsherd, and that's just a broken piece of pottery. That's not even a real pot. That's just something that's broken and, and thrown out in a heap. Um, does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? How many of you have said that when you looked in the mirror? What have you made? Um, does your work say, God, you have no hands? So I'm going to skip over some of those verses because later in the weekend, we're going to go through all of those. Now, I told you I went through scripture. I took out all of these books. Well, this is what I found. I hope I'm not insulting. Who, who is a serious potter in here? Oh, that's good, because I'm going to make fun of potters. <laughs> the, um, the books that I read were very strange. They were written by potters, and they talk about the clay. Now, this, they're not Christian books comparing us to clay. These are potters who play with clay every day. They talk about this clay like it's a living being. And so you're going to hear some of their quotes. It's fascinating. Like, I, I'm reading this going, these people, they're, they're, like, there's not a punchline here, apparently. They're really talking about this sticky substance as if it, as if it has a personality. They talk about the personality of clay. Um, and so I decided to, as I was reading through all of these potters, talking about pottery and talking about clay, I would write down some of the similarities that clay has to us as people. This is not God's word. These are potters talking about. So I want you to read through them, see if they, if they connect with you. All clay needs a time out. A time to dry out and rest and relax. Now, since I have read that, I have used that with my boss. I have used that with my husband. It's a beautiful thing. Next time you need a getaway, just say, all clay needs a timeout. It's not good for the clay to just keep working with it and working with it and working with it. Um, let's see. 
clay needs to be soaked for long periods of time. This is your excuse for bubble baths, ladies. It needs to be soaked. It needs to just sit in water. It takes some of the impurities out of it, and it's good for it. Clay must be agitated. I think that that resonates with me. I don't know about your life, if you have any agitations in your life. Here's one. I love this one. Number six. It usually needs added sand to keep it from cracking. Any beach lovers out there? Added sand. That is what I need regularly in my life. All clay shrinks with age. That's painful, isn't it? Here's an interesting one. This, they're talking about clay. Bacteria will grow if left damp and warm. Yeah, that's, that's yucky. Um, I say eat yogurt. You'll be fine. Uh, nine. This is, this is interesting. If clay is unworkable, the potter is limited to short and thick shapes. Could be. Could be. I don't know if it's true. Here's an important one, and I'll, I'll stand sideways so you can see if this is true. Each clay body will, in time, reach the point where the stresses of weight and pull will cause the pot to slump. Wait. All right. How to improve your clay. Now, this, these, these potters are talking about clay, but I say this is another reason why we are much like clay. To improve clay, add color. <laughs> to fix the uneven texture, add brown sticky clay. Allow clay to age to give it more flexibility and bendability. I'm not seeing that necessarily. But I do see that as a grandmother, I am more flexible than I was as a mother. Does anybody resonate with that? Or are you watching your mother saying, who are you? (laughs) Here's a good one, and this, this may be affecting some people in here. Raise or lower the temperature according to the maturity of the clay. Mm-hmm. This is a great one, and we'll talk about this later in the week too. Place new young clay next to old clay to bring it to maturity. Isn't that wonderful? If there's no old clay, you can use a towel or a cloth that's been touching the old clay. You just pass your napkins around, ladies. This is this this could be true. I don't know. Some clay may be over endowed with fluxes, which cause bloating and deformities. The key to that is add filler. I think Metamucil would work too, probably. Number seven, how to improve your clay. Moisturize completely if it dries out. And number eight, aging always improves clay. That's a good one, isn't it? That's hopeful, ladies. We may need to add color, put sticky clay all over our faces, but 
Aging always improves clay. Now, here's how you know. You've been wondering, am I a mature woman? I know you have. I'm looking at you, and I see that question in your mind. Here's how you know when clay is mature. Give it a scratch test on the bottom. <laughs> We're talking about clay here. If no sign of scratching occurs, continue firing until the clay pot shows signs of warping, distortion, bloating, or shrinkage. When these things are present, the pot is mature. Or after firing, check to see if slumping occurs in the middle of the bar where it's unsupported. <laughs> if so, maturing temperature has been reached. And then this is a sad one. I hope that I don't want to see anybody sniffing each other. Ripe, mature clay smells musty. <laughs> now, you put those things together with what God's word says about us as clay... It's obvious, ladies, that we are made out of clay and that God has something to say to us. Now, something much more wonderful than must, slumpy middles, adding color. It's a wonderful story. We're going to go through the process of what God does with each of us as clay. I want you to open up your, this one, the black and white one. And you're going to see a circle in here. Now, we know that real clay, the stuff that's dug out of the ground, has a very linear life. And that when a potter gets hold of it, they do certain things at a certain time. And the clay progresses until it's mature and ready to be thrown on the wheel. And then it gets fired. And then we use it. Some of us have that type of porcelain or clay in our homes. And we use it to serve food or we use it just to be beautiful. And um, now here's the difference between us and the clay in the ground. We actually go through this same process many, many times throughout our life. And so I know that as women are sitting here in this room, because we're women... We compare ourselves to each other, and, and we may listen to a testimony and say, wow, that person is way ahead of me. Or we may look at a person whose life is a mess and say, thank God there, but for the grace of God go I. And we feel like we are way beyond that person. Here's the good news, and maybe a little scary too. This process that God takes us through as clay, it just keeps going. Until the day we meet him in heaven, he keeps refining, he keeps taking us back to the very uh, wheel and, um, ask, and asking us to crucify ourselves. He keeps putting us into the fire and testing us. He uses us for a time and then between every stage, God gives us a rest. Maybe some of you are in that rest stage where you're waiting for what God has next for you. But all of us are somewhere along this circle. I should do it this way. This is how the circle is going to go. We're somewhere along that circle. Some of us, those of us, look around, who are adding a lot of color and clay to our lives and hair and faces, we've been around this process for a long time. And that doesn't mean that we're further along. 
than anyone else, it just means that God just keeps taking us and, and wooing us and loving us and asking us to lay down parts of our life. And then, and then in a different season, he'll be using us in a brand new way. So each of you, if you'll stick it out with me for the rest of this time, till tomorrow, I think at 4.30, you'll be able to pinpoint where you are and what God's doing with you and, and how he wants to use you and maybe explain some of the very painful things that have happened to you in your life. And hopefully, each of us individually and us as a whole group will grow closer to the Lord and we'll be able to see each other's lives in a brand new way. And instead of saying there but for the grace of God, we pray into each other's lives and we encourage one another by saying, I have been where you are now. And it was rough. It was painful. But God saw me through and has moved me into a new place. And I know that next year, I'll be right where you are. And so I'm going to come to you and say, how did you do it? How did you make it through? What did God say to you? And what has he done in your life? Because I need your help. No matter what my age and what your age is, because my mature clay needs your new clay, and your new clay needs me. So this weekend, we get to walk through that together as a group. So let's talk about the clay that God created. I probably won't do this whole first session. I'm going to save some of it so you have to come back tomorrow, okay? So here we are in the garden God has created this beautiful world, this, this um, amazing place for us as clay to live. And then he digs us up out of that earth and begins to create us and form us into man and woman. So why does he even do that? And you've probably heard a slew of sermons. But how many, did anybody grow up Lutheran? You'll know the answer to this. Why were we created? Anybody know the answer to that? Was God lonely? Well, God had the Trinity, and we're going to talk about this. This is kind of exciting. To think about God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from the very beginning. They had each other. They had this unbelievable community within each other. And now, those of you maybe who are married and got to the point in your marriage where you said, this is so wonderful to be in relationship Let's create another person so that we can share this love. But think of that in a grander and more beautiful way, more perfect, more holy way, where the Trinity said, this is too good, what we have. Let's share this with people, with Adam and Eve and all of those that come after us. And their main purpose will be to glorify God. And, our, and what we'll do is to love them, and to guide them, and to give them purpose, and to give them joy, and to give them our presence. So, they create man and woman. Let me move past my, why are we like each other? So, we're at the create stage on your circle. When God created Adam and Eve, he dug them. We read in Psalm 139 that all of us are dug out of, we're woven in the depths of the earth, which is 
which is in essence in our, in our mother's womb. But God digs us out, and we're simply clay at that point. We don't even know at that point in our life, these little seed, that it's God whose hands are creating us. But Psalm 139 does a beautiful job of talking about how he forms us in our mother's womb and and creates us. So one of your fill-in-the-blanks is that it's important to know that before we even understood it, we were created with the potter's hands. The potter is in contact with the clay from the very, very beginning. And God created this unbelievable world for Adam and Eve to live in. How many of you, I know this is not politically correct now, but how many of you when you were little played with Barbies? Okay, so a lot of you did. My sister and I loved to play with Barbies, mostly because we could exclude my brother during that playtime. <laughs> Even as little kids, we loved to do that to him. And, um, but you know what I don't remember? I don't ever remember us making Barbie talk or actually have a personality. Our whole play was to create the space that Barbie would live in. We would create Barbie's world. And my sister, she's she's kind of evil back then. She would pick the dumbest place in the room to create Barbie's world so that I would then say, that's not fair, I want that place. And then I would be stuck under the bed in my Barbie's world, and she would take the closet that was set up beautifully for Barbie's world. But our whole uh, purpose was was to, because we loved these dolls, and we wanted to create a world for them. Now, that's kind of a sad illustration, but it does let you see what, just a glimpse of what God, the Godhead, the Trinity, must have been thinking as they were creating Adam and Eve, and as they created the world, the perfect world that they would live in. So, no, God didn't need us. He didn't have some kind of um, void inside of him. They wanted to love us, and they wanted to invite us in to a perfect fellowship with them. So our purpose is to magnify God. And then in the garden, God did so much. He created this unbelievable Barbie world where he gave them a purpose. He gave Adam a purpose to name the animals. He gave them fruit and trees and animals, and beauty. He gave them his presence. He came and walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, and and he gave them all of the fellowship that they could ever want or desire. And he gave them one rule. One big rule to not touch the trees in the middle of the garden. Don't touch the tree of good and evil because in that day, surely you will die. But even in that, God gave a rule like we give our children rules. Don't touch the stove. And our children think, you're the most horrible parents in the world. I can't touch the stove. Don't stay up till 10 p.m. when you're three years old. Why can't I stay up till 10 p.m.? And Adam and Eve treated God that way. Like, you have no idea what you're doing. Why would you give us this horrible, horrible rule that will ruin my life? And yet, even in God's rules, 
He had a purpose, and it was out of love. So I think that if you're like me, you've not really sat down and thought about what must it have been like for the Godhead to go about the process of creation. Now, I'm not trying to give you any science versus God's word lesson here. Let's use our imaginations. And I want you as a table to create the Garden of Eden with just your table, okay? In a few minutes, Gwen is going to give you all some Play-Doh and a pan. And you're going to create your table the Garden of Eden. And I want you to enjoy the process. Now, even if you have no gifting whatsoever in art, it doesn't matter. It's the process, not the outcome of what it looks like. Don't worry about the fact that you will have to show it to the entire room. <laughs> but we won't ask who made what, okay? So use your imaginations it doesn't have to, if you can make animals, you can make nature, you can make Adam and Eve, you can make whatever you want. I did this with one, it was a very conservative church that I did this in. And one of the tables created a cabana boy who would serve them drinks. And laughed and laughed and laughed. And I thought, where am I? This is not the church that I thought, what on earth? So... If you need cabana boys, you put that in your Garden of Eden. Um, so we're going to do that over the next, I would say you're going to take about 15 minutes to make your Garden of Eden, okay? I want you to think about what it must have been like when, when God together uh, made the garden. So where do they go? Okay, I need five minutes to wrap this up because I see all kinds of really good food in there. So give me your attention for five minutes because we're already way over time. So I walked around and I heard a lot of laughter. I saw people crying. They were laughing so hard. I saw people creating things. I saw people laughing together. I saw people using their imagination all of those things are what it means to be made in the image of God. Using your creativity and your imagination, I want you to think about what must it have been like. Now, we're using our imagination even picturing the Trinity at this scene because we don't know how it worked. But let's use our imagination and the three of them in spirit coming together and using their imaginations taking all of the joy and the love and the perfection that they had together and infusing the world and Adam and Eve with it. That joy, I want you to carry that joy with you home tonight. And think about why would it be any different when each of us were being formed in our mother's womb? Why wouldn't the Holy Trinity be as excited about that as they were the day they created Adam and Eve. Why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't they be giggling in their presence together as our fingers and our toes and our personality and our hair and our fingernails and all of our parts are being formed in our mother's womb. I want you to imagine what the Godhead is saying to each other as you were being formed. Think about how you have felt if you're a mother, just with your hand on your belly. Why wouldn't God's joy be that much greater? Now, 
we're going to leave Adam and Eve in this glorious setting of paradise overnight tonight. They deserve that because you've created such a beautiful picture, much like the Godhead created. And tomorrow, we're going to talk about the fall. And we're going to talk about what they did that changed all of our lives too, that, that we now have original sin and we resist God's hands, just like Adam and Eve did. But do you suppose that just because sin entered the world, God changed his mind about how he felt about Adam and Eve? Did he, think about your own children if you have children, or, or, or a loved one who has messed up. Do we stop loving them? Do we stop finding joy in their presence? Do we stop caring deeply and desiring wholeness? We don't, even as fallen human beings. And so I believe, I know, because I've read God's word, that it doesn't matter how we've come here tonight, what's in our lives, how we've messed up. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, still in their deepest, deepest hearts, their deepest essence, feels the same way about you tonight as they did as they were creating the Garden of Eden. Remember as you go home the joy and the laughter and the crazy words. I imagine the three of them were saying some crazy things too. I kind of wrote down what I thought maybe they were saying. Here's a conversation overheard in my imagination. Hey, this party's so great, we can't keep this to ourselves. And then one of the other godheads said, well, we is all we got. And then another one said, let's make something. Let's make lots of things. Let's call those things people. And one answered back, well, how do we make people? Well, you remember the dirt that the three of us were playing in the other day when we were making all sorts of weird shapes and weird animals and, and enjoying time together? Yeah, but I wouldn't call what I made weird. Well, let's make a couple of those again. Well, they weren't that great. Remember that last time we made them and we came back and those things were all dry and hard and, and, um, and nothing happened? And then one of the godheads said, well... We'd have to keep them wet this time. We'd have to create a way for them to, to stay soft. Or what if, we, what if we put breath into them, our very breath? What if we used our breath? Now that's an idea. Okay, we'll love them and they'll love us. And it'll be one grand, glorious paradise together with the people that we make and us. And then God said, well... That's not how we're going to make them. Some of them will love us, and others will choose not to. But if we let them choose, we'll lose some of them, won't we? Unless we make them perfect like us, they're going to mess up, aren't they? We need a plan. Well, there's only one thing we can do. One of us will have to go to them because... They'll never figure it out. You, son, you'll go. We'll send you. Is everybody in? And they sat together and 
and began to ponder and said, we're in for some big risk here. And then another one of them said, and big disappointment, because many of them will resist us. Well, should we even do it? And they looked at each other and said, how can we not? And so the one in the Godhead said, I'll dig the dirt. The second said, I'll pour the water. And the third said, I'll get ready to breathe. Now, that may or may not have happened. I don't know. I don't know what form the Trinity was in at that at that time and how creation happened. But what I do know is that just by watching you ladies and the joy that you had as you used your God-given image of him, that that must be what it looked like. That must be what it looked like. I don't think, are there any midwives here? Anybody that works on the maternity ward? I bet it never gets old, does it? How many of you watch Call the Midwife? Oh, my goodness. Ladies, binge watch. You need a party. Call the midwife. Every single time, every single show, a baby is born. And it never gets old. I cry every single show. I can't imagine what it must be like to see that every day. Or for the Trinity to see that time and time and time again as a child is born and the joy that they feel. And the joy that they feel even when we mess just like we do as parents or people that love someone who is messed up. So tonight, as you go to bed, and I'm encouraging you to eat lots of food and then go right to bed so that you get <laughs> back here in the morning because we're going to find out what happens. How do Adam and Eve mess this up? And what God has to go through forever to bring us back to his presence and back to a wholeness and a relationship with him as our, not just God our creator, not just God our potter, but God our heavenly father and savior and friend. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you for these women tonight. Thank you for the beauty that they created. Thank you for the joy that they had. Thank you for the fellowship around these tables. Lord, would you help us to take these pictures home with us and maybe for the first time come to the realization of how much you care for us. What joy you have as you watch us. And Lord, just because there may be pain as you watch us fail, it does not end. Your love will never end. You will always love us. And so, Father, give us a good night's sleep. Allow us to have peace as we lay our heads down and bring us back in the morning to learn more about you and what you will go through to bring us in a, into a whole relationship with you. And we will ask this in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.